I just, uh, before we start, I just want to say a, a, couple of, a, a couple of comments that I want to make uh, on, on, on um, what Gerda, Gerda said. It's, it's, so, it's so amazing, you know. Um, and I think, you know, I think a large part of, of Christianity today is, is, is Jesus, Jesus and me type of things. And as soon as, uh, uh, and, and so in some ways the church becomes really, uh, um, it's, it's extracurriculum. It's a side issue. You know, if, if, if you want to, but it is this massive, massive uh, Jesus and me type of thing. And whenever I am in a difficult time, me and my closet room, should be should be able to to fix it <laughs> um, you know according to according to scripture and according to god's design the way that jesus works the primary way of how jesus works is not you in your closet room and i'm not saying that it shouldn't be there but it's as we together speak the truth and love to one another that we are being built up it is god's way <laughs> that he will do it through the many right and so i i don't want to i don't want to go to the other extreme you know that that jesus can't work <laughs> he's limited in his power but what i can say for sure is jesus decides to execute and to bring about his power in a togetherness, as we speak the truth in love. It's interesting, you know, uh, we, we all are in pursuit of, uh, well, I, I hope we are all here in pursuit of God. I mean, I can't speak for any heart here, um, but I hope we are in pursuit of God. And I, I once said a guy that, that I, I regard him as probably one of the, the, the people that has the deepest relationship with Jesus that I ever know. He was a man. He's probably now close to his 80s, 70s, mid-70s. Really a lover of God. And he sat with us once and he asked us, how does, how does God speak to you guys? What, what, is the, what is the primary way of you getting to know God? Right? And, and, and I know, I mean, there is, there is these things generally that, that we would say. You know, we, we, we have this, this soaking Christianity where a lot is me and my prayer closet, you know, I closed my room, and I seek Jesus for scripture and prayer, and that obviously, I mean, that, that's obviously there, and I mean, that's the type of things that were said, you know, some say, I will, I'll go climb into the mountains, be with the nature, and I'll be, you know, there I experience God, or, you know, these various ways, I need to close my door, and I need to pray, not knee work, you know, and then, and, and he said to us, this man, is like, I just like, but, but you tell us, you know, it's just like, this old guy that's going to tell me the key. He said, well, I experience Jesus for his people. I'm like, and if you would consider just for once the scripture, you would see <laughs> that we, Paul prays this, we together with all the saints <laughs> might come to know the width, the depth, the, love, the, the, the length, and the breadth of the love of God. It is for Gerda <laughs> that God chose. Gerda, I want to explain. I want to I show me myself powerful in battle. <laughs> I want to show myself that bipolar is smaller than me. But this is the way through which I will show it. <laughs> Not just you in your prayer closet or you with the blanket over your head. Please, Jesus, take me out. 
my way will be through my people. And you will discover me through that. Through that, you will discover that I am mighty, mighty in battle. You can't really separate him and the church, church and Jesus. It is through that that Jesus reveals himself powerful and mighty. You, you, guys, you guys get what I'm trying to say, I'm sure. Okay. Good. Then uh, just one other comment that I want to make is on, on next Wednesday. So I, uh, um, this week I was praying, and uh, sometimes I've fortunate the last couple of uh, days or weeks, actually, whenever I felt God is something for the church, it just it pops a verse in me. And this is the verse that was popping up in my heart, and I just quickly want to read it to you guys. It's Luke 15, verse 2. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumble, saying, this man, Jesus, receives sinners and eats with them. I was like, I felt like Jesus was saying, I was like, Jesus, what is it, you know, that you have for us? And he says, the Pharisees grumbled about Jesus because he was known that he would receive and eat with sinners. Now, um, I was just wondering, and we want to be like Jesus, all right? I was just wondering, how did Jesus' nightlife look like? How did his days look like? Now, obviously, we would know he hanged around with his disciples a lot. But the, the, the greater accusation against Jesus was he was hanging around the world the whole time. And it was, look, I, I, and I, I've seen this. You know, you get two types of people. When I used to run a Bible school, the Bible school, way in the, way in the early 2000s, when you could still go to schools and preach the gospel, when, when our Bible school, TNT, comes to school, it was remarkable to see it. All the naughty kids was running as far as they could. And all the religious goody-two-shoes was hanging around us. You know that Jesus kind of had the opposite effect? The religious goody-two-shoots accused him. And the sinners hanged around him. And I was wondering just how, we, we were speaking uh, on Wednesday, just how to deal with unbelievers. I, I think there's just such a weight on us, you know. It's like, in some ways, we have the curse of Jehovah Witnesses on us. That if you see an unbeliever, there's a time clock ticking that says, Witness. Witness, witness, you need to witness, you need to witness, you need to witness. And you speak to an unbeliever and it's like, um, yes, what do you do? Do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? It's not because you want to get him saved, but you just feel so guilty that you haven't witnessed. And that's why we become so utterly odd group of people that just finds comfort amongst one ourselves. And Jesus wasn't like that. He was able to relate. He was able to relate, can I say, normal <laughs> to an unbeliever. Jesus didn't, didn't call Zacchaeus out of the tree and said, Zacchaeus, if you, eat of my if you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you would be saved today. He didn't speak like that to Zacchaeus. It's like he had a way with Zacchaeus to call him there out of the tree. And Zacchaeus found it so cool to have Jesus in his house. I'm hanging with a cool guy here. Right? And he was able to relate with him. I'm telling you, if we look at our lives, you were most effective with the world 
when you just got saved. Increasingly, you become ineffective with the world because your friendships become increasingly sheep-like and you become strangely odd (laughs) to the world. I think Jesus is putting his finger on that in our lives. He wants us to break out of that a little bit. Can, look, and I, I don't want to make it weird. I mean, this is a bit of an in-house announcement here. Sorry, you're right. It's, it's like, I, I don't want to, if you're an unbeliever here, we love you. We love you. Uh, um, like we joke, the wolf got tricked amongst the, amongst the sheep here. <laughs> We're doing the opposite that Jesus tells us. He said, the sheep must go amongst the wolves, but we tricked them in here. If you were tricked today, we love you, right? It's very hard to acknowledge that you are one right now, but, uh, but I, 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 I want to just like speak to us. I think, I think we're coming, we are not representing Jesus well in this area. We need to learn how to relate normally outside of just this. It's great to be in one another's homes the whole time. That's just one part of the Christianity. Sheep, it's time to relate and have something of this in your life. Amen. All right. Now for today, we are in the book of 1 John. All right. 1 John 1. I just want to say, I know this got nothing to do with it, but it's so great to have my wife back. It's really, it's really, really nice for me. I'm just in the light, honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I need to preach shorter because she's sitting here now. So, but, verse uh, 1 John, we, we, last week or whenever, we preached and we, we got to verse 6. <laughs> but I, I want us to, I'm going to read the first three verses of the last part of this chapter. And I want to make a couple of comments here. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another as Gerda displayed for us today. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just pause there. Now this has been a verse that actually for quite a while has become more controversial than what it should be in the church. And so there is two extremes that I'm quickly going to explain. Just a little bit of, of doctrine here, and then I'll, I'll explain the truth. There's, there's, there's two extremes. The one extreme has gone like this and says, when we are saved, we are completely forgiven, which, which I also believe. Meaning, all our sins are removed to such an extent that if we would ask for forgiveness of sins, it is a dead work. Why do you need to ask for forgiveness of sins if Jesus has cleansed all your sins and you are already justified in the cross? So whenever a person is asking for forgiveness of sins, it is a dead work. And so how do you explain this verse? I'll tell you how to explain this verse. Oh yeah, and this verse is not for the believers, this is for unbelievers, right? Which is, which is false. It's completely not true. 
Then the other extreme in the body went like this and said, we all our sins is forgiven until the day that we got saved. Meaning the day I accepted Jesus in my heart and I became born again, all my sins has been forgiven until that day. From there on in, I need to ask for forgiveness of sins. Otherwise, I am not in right standing with God. And the way to remove my sins is to ask for forgiveness of sins. That's why you get in camps all over South Africa every year. They get saved again and saved again. It's just a powerful gospel, you know. Every year they get saved again and saved again and saved again. Both of those extremes are not true. Right? Firstly, we stand on this truth and this truth alone. We are sons and daughters of the living God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. We have been justified by him and have peace with the Father because of the blood of Jesus. In him, we have forgiveness. In him, we have forgiveness. Where's your forgiveness? In him and the redemption of sins. In him, I've got forgiveness. It's so difficult for me to escape forgiveness of sins. Really, I, 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 he's in me. The forgiveness of sins is in me. I go there, he's still with me. I go there, he's still with me. Wherever I go, I am bound by the forgiveness of sins. Sorry, I'm forgiven. I am justified and in right standing with God simply because of the work of Jesus Christ and my position in him. If you are in Christ, you are justified. You are in right standing with God today. But where does this verse come in? So this verse is not, and you hear what I'm trying to say, I'm using this theological word here. And I'll, I, uh, but this verse is not a justification verse matter. It is not a verse that is in regards to uh, um, my salvation. Meaning, you are not saved and unsaved by the measure of whether you remember to ask for forgiveness of your sins or not. Whoops. And imagine you just sinned and a car drives over you and you didn't have time to ask for forgiveness. You're not lost then. Right? It is sure and reserved in heaven. But it's got to do with my walk and my relationship with God. So me and my son, he is my son on the basis of his birth. He didn't do anything to deserve to be my son. He's my son whether he picks up his clothes or not. He doesn't lose it. Right? But sometimes in our relationship, something happens. Sometimes I do something, sometimes he does something. And sometimes we have an issue between us. He's hurt me, or he said something to me, he's hidden something from me, he's did something, and I did something to him. And so because of that, there is a, a blockage in our relationship. It is a, it's natural. You find it with all, there is a, a wedge between our relationship. And unless, let's make him the guilty one today, unless he would acknowledge and say, not mere confession, it's not confession, it's confess and ask for forgiveness. It's like, I stole your stuff, what are you going to do about it? That's not 
Oh, that's a confession. You want a confession? I'll tell you. No, no, no. I stole your stuff. And I'm sorry. And now I've got the power, not that I can restore him as my son, but I've got now the power to release him and ask for forgiveness. And suddenly our relationship is restored. Now, I uh, told the story to the leaders the last week, but I was, um, when I got saved, I wanted to be the most radical Christian ever. And so for me, even the fact that I would marry, I thought would be a step down. It's only, it's only, it's a compromise to get married. Jesus didn't get married. John the Baptist didn't get married. Paul didn't get married. The big three didn't get married. If I want to be amongst those guys, just don't get married, right? I, 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 as, as radical as it would be, it's like, what do you want to do one day? If the guy's because I want to plant a church. Like, I want to be a martyr. I want to die for Jesus. That was, that was, there was just nothing on the earth that could explain how radical I wanted to be for the Lord. If, it is, if it's gory, I wanted to do it. That's, that was the thing, you know. And uh, it was, it was almost, there was great zeal, but apart from knowledge, you know. And so... Uh, um, one day, uh, one, one Sunday evening, a bunch of us were going to have pizza in, in the town next door. And they did a, it a, a pizza deal. The, the pizza deal, I wasn't sure it was either 50% or two people for one, or, 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 or two for one price paid. As I got into my car, I felt the Lord said, I don't want you to eat pizza today. I'm like... You know, I know I wanted to die for Jesus and so on, but this is a pizza here. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, if it's uh, two, two for the price of one, meaning there's somebody there that's waiting for me to help him score the deal, that will not be very much brotherly love. <laughs> so I said, I made a deal with the Lord. I said, God, I'm not sure if it's you. But understand now, if someone is depending on me to get a half-priced pizza, I'll have to help that person. <laughs> but if it's 50% for a pizza, each one on his own, I will not have pizza. So I go into the pizza shop with the antip- anticipation. Please let it be two for the price of one. So I, I, I go in and I, I said, so guys, uh, what's the deal with the pizza? The guy said, no, it's, it's half price on each pizza. And before the Holy Spirit could speak to me, I said, can I quickly have this pizza? Quickly bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it. Have you ever tried when you know you are in trouble and you just sin as quick as possible? Before that, that, that voice can hover a little bit, you just do it as quick as possible. It's like, quickly bring the pizza. I was like, God, did you speak to me? I don't know that. <laughs> when he convicts, just sin quickly. It's terrible when it hangs there. And then you have the subtle excuse. Sure, I don't know, you know. And so I ate my pizza. And I had a good time. But I got back into my car alone. And the conviction started creeping upon me. And I said, God, did you speak to me? Was that you? And uh, I could feel the distance between me and God growing. 
like, I'm still a son of God. You hear what I'm saying? I'm not going to lose my salvation here. Like, but I could see that there's a wedge in a relationship here between me and God. And I feel by myself, I cannot, I cannot confess to this. I wanted to be a martyr. I wanted to die for Jesus, and here I chose a pizza above him. This is, this is so bad for my reputation. I cannot, I cannot admit to this. I don't think it like that. I justify it in so many other ways. But I'm just like, no, I, I, I would never if I knew it was you, God. You know that. It's like all this type of things. And I just feel like there, there is just so much distance between me and God. And I couldn't anymore. And I said to God, okay, 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 okay. I chose pizza above you, God. I'm sorry. Boom, and I felt the presence right back. Felt it right back. That's an interesting thing, you know. You guys all have, have had the, the spirit convicting you before or after. You've all learned how to go like, no, 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 all done it. You've all learned how to sin quickly before it gets too annoying. Ah, it's annoying. And it's quick. So you've all done that. I'm not... I, I, I'm a failed martyr, but I know Christians. We're all the same here. That's that time when the conviction comes. You've got two cho- choices. Two choices. The one is you admit to your sin, or the second one is you ignore that voice. That's an option. You ignore that voice long enough. You won't believe it. You won't believe it. If you ignore that voice long enough, it goes away. It becomes softer and softer and softer until it's gone. And you think you won, but you didn't win. It's not that God is farther, further, or God is not speaking. The only thing that has happened is your heart has gone harder and harder and harder until you can't hear him. Today, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. It's a verse, by the way, Hebrews 3, 12. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, because we do it. And as we are able to harden it harder, that that voice goes away. That's a terrible place to be. And if you've got a hard heart today, I can't hear God anymore. I'm like, if guys go like, I can't hear God anymore. I'm like, oh, all right. I wonder how soft your heart is. It's just an easy thing. We just repent. We confess our sins, and it softens our heart. That's what softened a heart. But there's another thing in here, verse, uh, verse 10. Says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, one of the things that um, <laughs> uh, on this thing is there's confession, obviously, that we don't want to do. Our pride and all this type of thing steps in it. We don't want to confess it. But there's a a bigger issue even that I find we struggle. We struggle to call sin, sin. We struggle to do that. I will tell you guys what I... So, um, uh, this, last Wednesday, this Wednesday, I had a meeting in Wellington with a bunch of pastors. How great is that? And I... I uh, um, I uh, drove from Stellenbosch to Wellington. As I got into my uh, car, I, I haven't had coffee. It was load shedding. I, I, I need to confess, it was load shedding. And 
even though we've got a gas stove, my, my beans wasn't grinded. So I took an old pan, put the beads in there, beans in there, and took a hammer and started beating it. It sounds addicted. I'm not. I really. I mean, I'm not addicted to coffee. Don't. Don't. I'm free from coffee. Right? Eating the beans. So, and I make a cup of coffee that couldn't satisfy the addiction. <laughs> so I decided I need to do something. And I drove into town. But time is running out. I need to get to Wellington. I drove into town. And there's something happened that my, my uh, it, I just got delayed in there. I'm realizing now, I'm getting a little bit late for this meeting. And I'm thinking if I drive really, really fast, I might make it. But I'm probably not. And as I'm driving out, I'm thinking, hopefully I will find traffic in the next robot so I can tell them, sorry guys, I'm sitting in the traffic. I will be late. <laughs> and I get to the robot and I'm like, this could classify as traffic. So I WhatsApp the guys, I'm like, listen guys, voice note, listen, I'm so sorry, I probably will be a little bit late, traffic, traffic, I'm sitting in the traffic, go on. I, I, as I did it, I'm thinking, yeah, that's probably not, I thought like I, I could wing that one, but I mean, it's like, um, so I got there, and uh, as I get there, I didn't keep in mind that there were some other guys coming from Somerset West driving through Stellenbosch to get the win. So I get there, the guy's saying, listen, it's so strange that you got stuck in traffic because we just drove through Stellenbosch and there was no cars. <laughs> Where did all the traffic come from suddenly? <laughs> I tried to explain my story, you know. And then I said, well, this is, this is a half-truth. You know what a half-truth is? I like it more when you can say it's a half-truth. I mean, there, I, well, there was, I seem like I can't even convince you guys here. There was traffic, guys. I was able to convince me, but I struggled to convince you guys, right? I lied. I lied all these pastors. And I knew, you know, I knew as I was there, as I was saying this thing, this is not... 100% true, but it might be, I don't even know, but it might be a thought in the back of my mind, but nobody knows. <laughs> oh, God loves that one. Well, we'll make sure they'll know. <laughs> right? It's just difficulty to call it as it is. I, I uh, in this week, I, I spoke to, not in this week, recently I spoke to someone that was struggling with a sin. And... Uh, it, it was not what I'm going to say it's now, but say, for instance, pornography. Struggle with pornography. And um, how the person would go there is, when I have a really, really challenging day, and I'm really, really strained and really difficult, it releases stress. It's a stress reliever. It wasn't exactly something like that. It wasn't that. But that which was sin was called a stress reliever. You know, 
And then the person said, God showed him, God showed him in a dream, this is sin, and you need to stop. And he phoned me, it's just like, listen, would you pray for me, and so on. I'm saying, two things just happened. I can pray for you, but that thing is dead now. First thing is, you confessed it, which I know was hard. But the second thing is, you no longer call that thing a stress reliever, but you call it sin. And the problem with us is, we're not willing to call that thing sin. And we're making God out as a liar. You know, this verse really strikes me. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. And his word is not in us. It's so interesting, Gerda, that uh, shared her testimony today. It's, a, it's, 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 how can you look at that bed? You see, Gerda was standing with life and death. That's what she calls Life and death is before her. She can go into her bed right now and feel much better. But she had to call that bed what it really is. You are death. You kill me. I go to you, I sin. Oh, you comfort me. Oh, you will just feel so much better. No, no, no. Unless I can call that thing what it is, I will still find refuge in it. Unless we can call it as it is, we won't overcome and we won't win that battle. Confession takes two things. Yes, it gets really quiet here. I, I, I didn't like, <laughs> I hope it's conviction and not condemnation here, right? But it really is, you know, unless we can call that thing sin and not our comfort or not our whatever, that thing is not, we're not going to kill that thing. Our enemies obviously presents himself as a friend. Sin is not hitting myself on a, with a pan over the head until it's really hurt. I don't want to do you, sin, sis. No, sin is going to present himself as comfortable, as nice, as your friend. That lie helped me to escape embarrassment. It was my friend. That's why I did it. I wanted to... Safe face or whatever the case might be. And nobody would know. If it was presented, you just chose the devil. You just chose the devil and sinned before the living God. I probably were like, oh, yeah, yeah. If you put it like that now. <laughs> Maybe I'll go this way. And see, that's the big thing that the enemy are able to do is in our minds and in our hearts justify certain things that we don't call it what it is. If, any, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and the word is not in us. Chapter 2. You see, I hope it gets lighter now. No, all right. Chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 1. says this. My little children, I am writing these things to you that you might not sin. It's so interesting. It's so interesting, and you find this pattern regularly. What is the context? If we confess our sins, if we confess our sins, 
God is faithful and just and forgive all our sins. If we confess and ask for forgiveness, God is faithful and forgive all our sins. I, I, I just, I just on this side want to throw this thing in. On what, on what grounds do I know that it's cool between me and God? I am forgiven now. On what grounds? I'll tell you what's the problem on the grounds. Is it's, the grounds is how you feel. I, 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 I'm like, uh, I, I said, similar guys. It's like, confess their sins, ask for forgiveness. It's like, all right, you're forgiven now. Look, don't tell me again. You're forgiven now. It's east, as far as the east is the west. I don't want to hear it anymore. And I tell you, Jesus also don't want to hear it now. You're forgiven now. No, I don't, it's like, it still doesn't feel right. It still doesn't. I'm like, I'm still not forgiven. You, do you know what I've done? Yeah, I, I, know, I, know, I know what you've done. But he's forgiven you. I don't feel forgiven. I, said, I don't care if you feel forgiven. I don't care. If you confess, if you confess, verse 9, if you confess, he is faithful and just to forgive all your sins. And sometimes it's just to disregard the feeling and hold on to faithful and just God that has forgiven you. Okay, chapter 2, verse 1 says, I say this to you that you don't sin. It is an interesting thing when it seems like the Bible presents licentiousness to us. It's, a, it's an interesting thing. The Bible says, listen guys, if you will just confess your sins and ask for forgiveness, God will forgive you. <laughs> You're forgiven, Saki. <laughs> <laughs> but it has the opposite effect. If I, I'm just saying, when there's an atmosphere in a meeting or in a people group where confession and asking for forgiveness are embraced, sin disappears very quickly. It doesn't present licentiousness that people just abuse the system. It has the opposite effect. I spoke to that brother that uh, made the confession. I said to him, listen here, we can pray for you now, cast out your demons and all those type of things. But in this case, I'll tell you, that thing is slayed. You've called it what it is. You've called it what it is. You've confessed it and you've called it sin. Next time, it's going to be very difficult to turn to that thing because you've named it. You've given it a name now. It is not your comforter anymore. It is sin now. And he's not, I, I, I have confidence, he's not going to go back there. I say this to you, I teach you to this, so that you will not sin. Now, listen to this. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, verse 2. He is the propitiation. He is the one that come in our stead for our sins, for our sins, and not for us, ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Uh, just on verse 2, I want to say, you know, one of, one of the problems in the world is if you are in a, case, in a court of law and if you are in the guilty place, you are, you are the one that gets prosecuted now. You try to admit as little as possible because everything that you admit will be kept against you. It's, uh, it's amazing. I'm, I'm watching. I'm, 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 I shouldn't watch it so much. But I'm, 
I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the political landscape of the whole world at the moment. And admi admission is gone. No one is admitting anything. I mean, you could be caught out a thousand times. No, I didn't do it. No, no, I didn't do it. Why? Oh, the truth will set you free. No, not in that world. Admission will mean bullets for your enemy. And as long as you keep it in, they struggle to have bullets. Facts doesn't matter. They want your admission. And as long as you don't give it to them, they can't beat you. And they want you to say it so that they can beat you. It's like a tortoise hiding, hiding in his shell. And the guy is waiting with a thing. He says, confess. Confess. Bah! I said, I'm not going to get out. I'm not putting my head out there. I didn't do it. I don't know what you're talking about. But the church is different. We don't ask for confession to get bullets against you to beat you up. Confession has this one purpose and one purpose only is for redemption. Come, come and be set free. Come and be set free. Oh, the tortoise is in there because the tortoise thinks it's going to be. That's why it stays with his head in there. I'm going to be shamed. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. I'm like, I wish, we all know it, but the testimony of when we come out amongst God's people and before Jesus, the fruit is always redemption and restoration, but somehow the shame and the fear of being beaten up of what we see in the world is keeping us in there. We ask for confession, for restoration, never as bullets against us. And let me say this, woe to you, Woe to you if you use this another man's confession to be set free before Jesus as bullets against him. That is the spirit of the Pharisee. And let me tell you, Jesus was not so keen against the Pharisees. He speak more against them than the devil. He had more problems with the Pharisees than the devil. So I'm just, I'm just that's not the culture that we have here. Right? Now, verse 3. If we by this, and by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Now, look, John is the apostle of love. He's the, he's the love guy. I mean, he's like, head on Jesus' chest, speaks about love the whole time. But he, he would not fit in our society. Because our society has much more understanding. If a guy sinned, don't just say to him he doesn't love God. Do you know where he comes from? Do you know his background? Do you know how difficult it was for them? Show a little bit understanding, John. John is just like, you don't know his commandments, you don't love him. No, you can't say that. You can't say that. I really, deep in my heart, I love God. It's not that I don't love God. All that I'm saying is, do these commandments, if you don't, you don't love him. It's just, isn't it just like a little bit of victim space there? Can't there be just a little bit of understanding here? So in uh, Matthew 12, uh, Matthew 11, verse 12. Jesus says this. Jesus says this to us. He says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violence is taken by force. 
Here's, here's an announcement to you guys, to all of you here. All of us here have suffered violence. If you are a born-again believer, you have suffered violence, meaning there's a violent force that's trying to keep you from serving God. It comes in the forms of feelings. It comes in the forms of other people. There's so many things that is on you that's trying to get you off track to follow God. Your youth, your parents, your friends, your church, there is just so many things that's violently, the devil finds a way to violently pressing you off from serving God. And so I would have wished Jesus to say this, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has suffered violence, therefore, I will have understanding. Therefore, we would give you space. There's no therefore there. The fact that all of us here have suffered violence, and by the way, one of the things that the enemy wants to do is tell you you're unique. No one suffers as much violence as you. I'm just saying that that is a classic enemy attack. It's like, I know, yeah, they think they have it tough. They don't know your story. That's a classic isolation. And therefore, in some ways, we have justification. We have justification to, to do what we want or to sin. But the Bible doesn't give us justification there. Until the days of John the Baptist. Until now, it's introduced in the new covenant. The kingdom of God is suffer violence. Meaning there is an attack on your mind. There's an attack on your feelings to sin. And Jesus says, but the violent, but the violent take it by force. One of the verses that Jesus has spoken to us over this last two weeks is in Jude. Judges. <laughs> Judges 3 verse 1. That says, in those days, God left certain kingdoms in the promised land because the generation of Israel did not know how to fight. And the part of the Christianity is that you will have to fight. And there is a power on you to cause you to not follow God. But it can never be used as a justification or allow you to be a victim but it's part of the deal. Now, now, let the violence come in us to take the kingdom by force. One of the classic things that we so often do when it comes to sin is, I can't help it. I, I can't help it. We need to consider that in truth, you know. I can't help it. Now, in, uh, in Romans 5, yeah, no. It's the last verse of Romans 5, 29 or 30, around there, right? The last verse of Romans 5. Paul makes the most outrageous statement ever. And Paul says this, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. This is hectic. Paul is saying, you, oh, thank you. Now the law came, I didn't give it to him. I didn't, man. Now the law came, into incre came in to increase the trespasses, but where sin increased, grace 
abounds even more. This is what he's saying. If there is 20 measures of sin, grace will be 25 measures. If there is 100 measures of sin, anybody here that sins 100 measures in a day, grace will be 150 measures. Anybody here that sins 1,000 measures, they don't want to admit it. But grace will be 1,500. You can't outsend grace. You can try. You can't outsend grace. Paul says that. Where sin increases, grace abounds even more. Like, yeah. And then he says, and the obvious question that is in all of our minds in chapter 6, verse 1, uh, he says, does that then mean that if grace abounds, I can increase to sin? I mean, why not? If I could get 1,500 measures, if grace will always be more than sin, then there's just sin. And Paul says, Paul says, what shall we say then? Thanks. Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Now, Paul is going to answer that question in verse 2. Just hang on, hang on. He's going to say, he's going to say this. No. And if we had a proper, proper English translation, it would say in a double whammy, he says, no, hell no. He's heard me before, right? No, hell no. Are you crazy? Why not? Why does he say no? You see, and if you have the answer to that thing, you would understand Christianity. I'll tell you what most people and what I've been taught to. No, you don't sin because you don't want to break Jesus' heart. <laughs> He's done so much for you. Oh, you see, He died for you and now you just sin. No, you just abuse His grace. No, man. <laughs> I, I'm like, out of thankfulness, I'm going to try my best to live for Him. And that's not what Paul is saying here. This is not what Paul is saying. Paul says this, don't you know who you are? Don't you know who you are? See, there was a problem as an old man. <laughs> Wait, Paul calls it the old man, the, 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 the corrupted, the sinful man that we were as unbelievers. Paul would say we were, we were ruled by this, he calls it the old man, the old man, the the the. The, the, sin, the sin man that was in us, we were ruled by it, right? If, 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 if sin comes to tempt Umkwus, right, as an old man, <laughs> it, it doesn't work, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. <laughs> as a sinful man, the old man, Paul would teach us about this. This old man was bound to sin. If sin knocks on his door, he had to go, look, I'm a slave to it. I have to do it. And so how, how, do, how, how, do we, how do we deal with this old man? How do we deal with this old man? And, and for so long in the body of Christ, what we said is, well, we send him through some courses. We give him some program, discipline, spend time with Jesus every day. We have to just train that old man to, to be a, a good man. And that was not at all Jesus' strategy because Jesus understands that old man is unredeemable. You can't train that thing. The question would be similar, and I know Vian has heard me taught before, so you shouldn't be. The question would be, how do I make, how do I get a baboon? How do I get a baboon? How do I get a baboon? How do I get a baboon to act like a human being or to be human? I'll tell you how you do it. Do you know what you do with a baboon to get him to do like a human stuff? Right? How, does, how do I make a baboon to become like human? Well, I can shave his hair. I'll start with the hair. There's just too much there. 
shave all the hair, and that's a massive wax job that you need to do to get it there. Then, if you are faithful, you get them young, you get them young, you train them to walk like this a little bit more. And then, if you're really, really good, if you're really good, you just kind of adjust clothing a little bit, and you fit human clothes on it. It shouldn't be a problem. Just get it off and shave every day, all right? And after a while, you put on a ring, you put all kinds of things on, and then you should be able, with much work and much discipline, to teach him to eat with a knife and a fork. And after a while, he's a knife and a fork, and this baboon is standing. And if you look at it, it looks just like a human being. Is that baboon a human? But it looks like a human. That's how we uh, uh, evangelize the world, you know. We try and make them act like Christians. Come on, baboon, just act like a human. Stop swearing. Believe all our political and ethical views. Come on, come on. Right? And we get those baboons to look just like humans. But the point is, they are still baboons. Help me here, Brian. No, 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 not you. How do I get the baboon to look like a human? How do I do it? How do I get the baboon to act like a human? To look, not to act like a human, to get like a human. What's the strategy? What's the training? Bible school. Bible school do it. What is it going to do? Read your Bible every day. And then slowly you will transform from a baboon to a human. You know that? No. There's only one remedy for the baboon. Death! <laughs> the baboon needs to die and rose up as a new creation. God had one plan for the old man, death. And that's what Paul is saying to us. Don't you know that the old man that used to be a slave to sin died? And when Christ died, you died. And that he rose up in a new creation so that the new creation, a new strength, a new power by which we would stand. And this new power is no longer a slave to sin. Now when sin is knocking on my door, I'm not a slave to you. I have no obligation to you, sin. Oh, he tells me. He tells me I'm still a baboon. Now that's the problem of the Christians and they think they're baboons. So the, they tell them, no, swing a little bit in the trees. I don't want to. Jesus won't like it. No, man, that's who you are. All right. And you swing a little bit in the trees as a baboon, but it's not who you are. I can eat my prayer. Come on. So, one thing that I want to say. Sin is not, the power of sin is not gone. I've got good news for you, in heaven it's gone. Then there's going to be no temptation and nothing. Sin is not going to be around in heaven. But sin is around still today, even if you're a born-again believer. You know that, right? Here's the problem. Here's the problem. When I was an old man, I was a slave to sin. Slave knocked on my door. I had to, I was a debtor to it. Romans 6 told me, I'm a debtor to it. I have to. If he, dog, if he knocks on my door now, I'm no longer a slave to that. Listen, you need to believe who you are, guys. You need to believe this. You are not a debtor to sin. You owe that thing nothing. You don't have to. That is a lie. I can't help it. I can't help it is not an understanding of who you are. 
I'm going to read Romans 6 verse 17, eh? What, what I gave you. 16. That's one verse out. Come on. Romans 6, 16. Right? Romans 6, verse 16. Do you not know, do you not know, that if you present yourself to anyone as obedient slaves, you are a slave of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which lead to death, a bit quick there, but I'll uh, skip that word. But thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. 18 and 19. And having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. I am speaking... Oh, no, no. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitation. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more, verse 20. When you were slaves to sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Here's the thing. You are a slave. A slave to God or a slave to sin. He's knocking. Slaves, uh, sin is knocking on your door. You are free from it. And so, I want to ask that as we continue to consider what John is saying. As we consider what John is saying, that we will not become victims to sin and justify our sin. It's one of the tricks, and I, God is, uh, um, I'm speaking very in-house now, God has really done something in this church concerning inner healing and deliverance. But one of my fears that it's, that it's increasingly become amongst us that I hear us subtly I couldn't help it because it was the demon I couldn't help it and inner healing does it I couldn't help it because I had a terrible background I couldn't help it because I had this hurt or this brokenness and in some states that which Jesus has given us to walk free has become excuses to stay in our sin I know I come hard today but I come alongside the apostle of love, John, that spelled it out for us very clear. Very clear. If you love him, obey his commandments. I can't help it, no. We just don't love him. If you love him, obey his commandments. I think it was so powerful, that song that Delia sang today and, and the word that came with it. Our God is a... I forget the words. <laughs> Our God is a... Who can stop the Lord God Almighty? Who can stop the Lord God Almighty? Who can stop the Lord God Almighty? And I think it's some way if we understand what he has done to us and we could be really honest with ourselves, call our bed what it is, as Gerda has showed us, that we won't be the limitation in God showing ourselves strong and mighty with us. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Delia, can you maybe come up? 
Yeah, the room is a little bit, uh, um, <laughs> a little bit meditative at the moment. I hope that's how I read it. But I, I, I want us to, 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 um, to really, to really start having the violence that needs to walk in the kingdom. And the excuses and that which justify to not allow it, that we would see it and recognize it as it is. And that God showing himself as great and almighty, that we will not be the obstacle that stand between us. Can we quickly just, if you can quickly stand. Just a, you just to allow it to settle your heart. And so, Jesus, I pray that today nothing will be able to escape your word. <laughs> that we would be like, allow the mirror of the word to cut us. Jesus, I pray that everything in our lives, Lord Jesus, that we have been able to call something else than what it is, sin. That we would have the courage again today to call it as it is. Father, I pray that whatever has been your enemy and therefore our enemy, that in some ways we have been able to call it our comforter, our friend, our whatever, or just put it in a subtle light that it won't become that which it is. I pray, Father, for courage. I pray for courage to call it as it is. Father, I pray for every bit of shame. <laughs> Lord, because our image is so strong, we all want to pretend to be this men and women of God. And Lord, shame has caused us to be much longer in darkness than what we should. I pray, Father, that we will crush that thing and be a people of the light. Father, I pray today that the, the power of, of, of your salvation that has gone blind in us, that we have in some ways justified ourselves and say, I can't help it, or blame this thing or that thing that caused us to become victims. Jesus, I pray that we will call it out today. I pray for a fresh commitment to a battle to stand holy before you.